And Can we talk about wow, my favorite Peter Jason Quill. And I mean, yeah, I see what you mean now because this was good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, I ain't even gonna hold it to you. I see what you mean by why why you were standing for him because this and I this and good. I want to say this because I feel like. everybody to another relaunch i am lz i am keenan how are you doing tonight keenan i'm doing really good yeah been, oh I, I mean so you know i live in dc yeah, um, cool. <laughs> <Are> you okay? <laughs> <laughs> is everything okay <laughs> uh, so it's been quite eventful here um i'm fine you know <laughs> wednesday what day was that was wednesday right yeah um yeah, man, that was a day. It wasn't, but I'm good. I've been in the house, so. <laughs> good, good. Stay your ass in the house. We still in, you know, a, a pandemic, so. <laughs> okay, where, where else just am I stay in, Just to stay go, in the man? house. I went and stocked up in the grocery store. It's been great. I know, that's right. Uh, so let's let's get into these books for the week. This was quite the week. Um, yes. Shout out to DC for damn near doubling my pull list this week, because okay. wow. <laughs> some money. For real. Um, Kicking it off this week with Truth and Justice, number one. Now, this was a digital first book written by Jeffrey Thorne um, with art by Chris Cross. Now, did you read this? Oh, this was the Vixen story, yes? This was the Vixen story. Oh, my gosh. I completely missed this. I didn't know it came out this week. Oh, wow. Yeah. So it was um, it was pretty good. I I enjoyed it. It was a pretty kind of typical kind of vixen story you know they always kind of have her starting off showing her modeling and yeah. doing kind of that and then she Very gets called that. off to be a superhero in the middle of the photo shoot you know mm-hmm. <laughs> the very typical story for her um the writing though it did kind of have that issue i've talked about before where mm-hmm. they try to make her sound a little too current there was a mm-hmm. line in it that brought up like idris elba that didn't really hit and you could tell that it was supposed to be this like moment where it was her trying to be like kind of a hip and cool, but it came across very awkward. You said the writer of this was um, Jeffrey Thorne, yes? Yes, it's Jeffrey Thorne, yeah. I think that sounds familiar. I, he also wrote that that miniseries. So you remember Marvel was like trying to push a lot of diversity in their kids and they introduced this one teen hero. I cannot remember his name right now to save my life. But I believe Jeffrey Thorne was the writer of that book too. And was it Mosaic? Because he did Mosaic. Write Mos- yes, yes, yeah. that's the one. But I remember that was a big complaint about it. it. Was like it sounds very hey fellow kids. Yeah, it was very much giving that you know like trying to be too hip when it didn't really have to <laughs> to be like that was really unnecessary to like kind of have these weird lines in it. Um, but the art was great. Uh, she has really cool use of her powers. I always am interested in you know whenever any kind of writer remembers there are more animals than, you know, a tiger. The cheetah and the falcon. They love yes. those two. Yes. <laughs> so anytime they kind of give her a little bit more than that, it's it's really interesting. There was another character in it who um, he kind of had some super speed powers, which were interesting to see. And he made sure to let you know that he is not as fast as the Flash. 
he was like, no, that's, <laughs> he was like, that's just, that's like, you know, peak. I'm not all that. I'm not that. <laughs> I'm, I'm just a little fast. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm not sure how I feel about it being a digital first series. You know, DC has this thing with Vixen where they never give her like the full yeah. rollout. <laughs> you know, she was supposed to have that one original series like back in the day when she was supposed to have debuted, but then like the implosion happened, so that never got out. She's been featured. She's had a couple of mini series. You know, they show her being close with Superman. They've had her a big part of that J- Justice League International relaunch that happened a few years ago, written by Steve Orlando. That was cool um but i don't know it's just even in animation they had they gave her that one like tv series but it wasn't even really a tv series it was one episode like cut up <laughs> into like 15 minutes like eight parts. <laughs> yeah it, it did make it was like one full length episode cut up into i really like, like the animation parts. of that show by the way that looked yeah good. it was really well done yeah i liked I wish they would have kept it going with the actual series because <laughs> she would make for a great animated series. Um, yeah. So yeah, this with this being a digital first book, it it I didn't know that they read like this. I've never really purchased or uh, read any digital first books. I usually um, have my books that are like already full or whatever. But this one, I don't know if you ever read a comic in a guided view, but every page of the digital first book was like the guided view of the comic instead of it being like the full page so the book was 25 26 pages but it was really only like one (laughs) 11 really because because you know Mm -hmm. they uh it was like they cut it all up i didn't so i wasn't really into that per se you know i wish they Mm would have gave my girl like a full (laughs) comic i want to pick this up (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, it was something um i want to support because you know i want them to see that like she she could have her own series but damn like yeah i would really love dc to go full force with vixen um i I don't know i don't think anybody's ever really given a good vixen story though outside of what like what steve orlando tried to do in justice league unlimited i think a lot of those stories that she's had they've just kind of been very basic like vixen's a great character with a lot of potential again like you said they kind of left to throw in the whole model philanthropist superhero thing and then it's kind of gets to like she has this totem when she channels the animals and then it kind of just stops at that yeah i feel like they were doing some really great things i felt on the animated show that she had where the they had other totems so hers was like the spirit totem and then that they had the other like four elements and those totems existed too. And the wearers of those became like, you know, hydrokinetic or pyrokinetic or they could move the earth or well, and all that kind of stuff, which is really cool. And I thought that they were kind of going to adopt that and bring that over for her into the comics because I felt like that was a good kind of rogues gallery for her to have, but it kind of didn't go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I, I would recommend probably reading this in full. I think that this would probably be better as a, a, a complete edition. This is only part one, and I'm not sure how many other parts there are going to be for this book. Um, so I'll check it out to see what's going on. Keep you posted. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. All right. So next up is Future State, The Next Batman. Now, this was written by uh, John Ridley, as well as Paul Jenkins, um, Ken Christensen, and Brandon, Brandon Thomas. <clears throat> Excuse me, and drawn by uh, Nick Darrington, Jack Herbert, and Sumit Kumar. Now, did you read this? I did. And let me tell you, this was some good story writing. But honestly, 
I didn't even care about the Batman portion of it. That Outsiders backup story was everything. I mean, wow. Yeah. <laughs> that Outsiders section was so good. I'm sorry to anybody who like wants to talk about Batman or hear us talk about Batman right now. I, I Like it was good. Like it was great. John really is a great writer. Like the story was intense. The art and the colors were amazing. Tamron Bombilla, who did the colors for the issue, is just like a genius at the craft of coloring so it was like it yeah, gave it was awesome it gave a really kind of like noir detective feel like yeah the vibe was school. very like noir old school kind of yeah. yeah 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 like that it was just like it was really well done it was really great i'm sure tim fox is like very interesting there were some great action panels he was stopping stuff but then you get to the outsider story i will say though this kind of made me realize that i don't ki- that I don't care as much about like Batman, like Bruce Wayne Batman. (laughs) Nobody does. (laughs) (laughs) Because when Batman was out there, like in the story, when he was uh, out there, like kicking ass or whatever, and he was just Batman, I was like, okay, like how many times I've seen like Batman beating up some criminals or whatever. But when we got to the story of the foxes and like the family and the you know, yeah. the sister in the hospital left. So I was living for that. That was yeah. the stuff that I was actually into. Um, so Because you've like, seen it all with the Bruce so many times before. It's kind of just yeah. like, all right. You know, and, and and that's why I get it. Like, nobody wants to permanently take Bruce Wayne away from the people. He is the hero, you know. Yeah, he's you can't get rid of him. You know, I get that. But it's like, I do think he would truly benefit from disappearing for at least a good five years. Easily, yeah just kind of lets them breathe let him breathe let the story breathe let some people come up with something new for him again even though i think a lot of them are that have done really great stuff and like you know tom king's run has gotten a lot of good press the snyder run got a lot of good press they were fine i feel like they're good batman stories but it's also kind of the thing it's like oh, okay there's just more batman so it's just bruce wayne Okay. Yeah, and we've had we've had great Batman stories, and I, I that's awesome that we continue to get them. But I'm glad we're getting some new shit <laughs> because yeah. this was great. The Outsiders um, part was great. Like I never really cared that much about Duke, but this like version of it made Duke you care about him, Duke. Yeah, I was like, okay, I'm here for Duke now. Like he's yeah. awesome. He's cool. He's a fun <laughs> little guy. The like Katana, she's that one. She's the girl. Everything. The artist. Um, can you give me the artist's name one more time? I think it was Kumar. Um, the artist for that was, um, it was uh, Sumit Kumar. What's his name? Sumit Kumar. Yeah. Sumit Kumar did that. I just, that entire double page spread of Katana, like bursting through the uh, various floors and like attacking the goons. And even when she was kind of deflecting all the shots, the black lightning energy form, which was also like a really cool thing for Jefferson that he's kind of like evolved into this lightning form was great. It was I just, thought that was really, you know, I'm like recently kind of thinking I like Black Lightning yeah. a little bit more than I thought. <laughs> he's, he's a really good character. He's great. He's cool. Yeah. I like, I've always enjoyed the interpretation of him like being kind of older, whereas other heroes, you know, are usually like young and they don't really know what they're doing. I've always liked that he was kind of more older and he's got kids and he's kind of like, you know. He should be up there with like Bruce and Superman in age. Like, exactly. You know, um, and seeing him kind of be like this like lightning figure i was like what's going on with that i need more of that <laughs> Man, i love an energy form you know <laughs> oh, I mean, you know i do <laughs> um but no that was like really good like the outsider stories honestly was my favorite 
thing this entire week. Oh, wow. That's my high praise. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, it was great. Brandon Thomas was the writer for that. And I thought it was really interesting what they were doing. I want to know, though, like, this is the thing with Future State for me is I don't want this to end <laughs> because I, I know that this is only going to last for like two issues, two or three issues, yeah. right? Two so issues, then like, um, then what? So a lot of the, a lot of the creative teams for these books have been announced for a book post Future State already. I think they're also just kind of wait to see like what else gets people riled up and like what they're because but like this outsiders team definitely needs their own book to tell their own story with these characters and again like this is what future state is about it feels fun it feels fresh it feels different even though we're seeing a lot of the same people we also have a lot of new people or these people are doing like these different strange things that we've never seen or we haven't had in a very long time so it's exciting so yeah they need to keep this energy going yeah, I'm really into what we've got, what we've been seeing so far. So far, DC Future State hasn't really disappointed me. Um, although I will say I was not as into the Arkham Knight story in the in this book. <laughs> I don't think I read it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it just it wasn't giving what I wanted it to give, um, and I was like, yeah, no. Yeah, and I, 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 I was like just kind of skimming. I was like, all right. And it was like, of course, like, how are you going to give me this after like, <laughs> right. Give me that? <laughs> <laughs> the outsiders, you're going to give me this? No, um, it was fine. It was, a, it was an addition. Yeah, it was, it was something that was there. <laughs> yeah. Um. So next up is Future State Swamp Thing number one. Now, I did not read this because you know, I don't get to that. <laughs> so tell me, what happened? This was good. I mean, so this is one of this. It was very dense. It was a very dense read. Like, there's a lot of words in this. Um, you know, just they're kind of explaining like this world and like where the people are. We get to meet Swamp Things. I guess basically his descendants of the Green, and they kind of like work on bringing him back because you know Future State is obviously very very far off in the future, and like they think there's no humans around and all this stuff. And so eventually they do find these humans. They find this one guy and he is working with this collective and apparently they have Obsidian and Obsidian is the son of Green Lantern Alan Scott. They have. Oh, a, I know who Obsidian is. I right? love okay. Jade. I'm a Jade fan. Yeah, and I'm an Obsidian <laughs> fan. Like, so like when I saw Obsidian on the page, I screamed. I was like, yes, because so um, for those who don't know, Obsidian and Jay were basically like wiped out of existence. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> they were completely wiped out of existence. <laughs> um, you know, what, what was that? Um, New 52, right? When they oh, yeah, made a, Alan mm-hmm. Scott gay. Yes. And, you know, just his whole family, the kids, all of that would just disappeared. And so Obsidian and Jade ceased to exist. They like tried to bring them back in different ways and like some alternate realities, but it just, it wasn't them. It didn't hit the same. It wasn't that good. So this appears to be like Todd Rice, the Obsidian, like it's the classic costume and everything. And they've got him locked up and they're trying to basically bring about an never ending darkness to somehow destroy the green. Um, and like the human has been looking for these people, these swamp thing peoples to help them stop it. And so that's where the issue ends. Um, I'm a swamp thing fan. I'm into the whole like green magic weirdness, poetic, however dramatic. It's always like, again, like it's a very dense read. So if that's like not your thing and you're not into that, you're probably not going to get it. I recommend getting into it again. It had obsidian in it. So it was like, 
it gave me what I want. I don't know how he's here. I don't know how it exists. I don't know if this means he'll be back post future state, but I'm going to enjoy it. Okay. Okay. I, I was wondering what was going to happen because I believe some of those like characters from that era were supposed to be coming over around the doomsday clock thing, but yeah, nothing really makes sense in DC, but I, I've kind of just like, I don't, I don't know. Maybe that's the point of at this point <laughs> <laughs> just like just don't ask questions just don't ask just questions enjoy it when we the give story. it to you it's there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i mean sometimes it'd be like that i guess i if len like i said if this means that jade is gonna come back i'm here for that because i love her so uh i'm with it so this brings us to the last future state book that i read which was future state wonder woman number one and let's make way for yara floor Yara Floor is here. Okay, She's let's here. make everybody move out of the way because Yara Floor is here. I love it. I love it. She, her design is awesome. I love her attitude in the book. I love how like her if like there was out of her one patience. Thing, <laughs> if there was one thing that Didio did right before he got the axe, it was bringing Joelle Jones on because absolutely, <laughs> like. Absolutely. The woman wow. is an amazing talent. Her art, her writing. I won't I won't lie. I feel like the story to this was a little lightweight. You know, it was kind of just very basic intro, um, getting a little bit into Yara. And but again, it's only two issues. I understand. And she's getting a mini series when this is over. So it's like I understand they're probably gonna drag some things out and we'll get more into her when we get into the miniseries. But um her sense of action, her sense, her facial expressions the movement the everything it's everything just the way the background the, yes <laughs> like it's just like and then to pair her with Jordi Belair who is another fantastic colorist in this business who yeah. has an amazing sense of like tone and mood it's just like yeah this was great I this love was it. great this I think this was one of my favorites of the week because I I was already excited to kind of be introduced to this new um, Wonder Woman, especially after you know coming off of <laughs> my recent discovery of, of Diana. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so shout out to DC for bringing me back into Wonder Woman. It's just via Yara Floor. <laughs> yeah, um, that they did that. I'm I'm really they, excited for Yara. What did you think of the story and the interpretation of like hell and limbo in this? I thought that was really Oh, I really I really love that too and it was kind of like this is your perception. I also really loved the whole mixing of mythologies and like how she was like you yeah. know we had like the Greek pantheon meeting with um her gods and I love that the horse is named Jerry. <laughs> how cute, right? Her little Pegasus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like um very calm, cool and and again, like it just makes me excited for what else we're going to get of her. Cause I think that was one of the things I was kind of interested in for when the miniseries drops. It's like, oh, how are they going to tie this girl to the Amazons who have been like so tied into Greek mythology? And she's right. clearly this Brazilian hero. And I was wondering how that was gonna do, but like see, like, oh, you know, at one point in time, these two gods sat together from different pantheons and like came to this conclusion. It's like, okay, here we go. This is how we get into the mix. Yeah, I think that was really that was a really cool interpretation for that. I I can't wait to see more of, of this character. I think she's going to blow up. I think she's awesome. I yeah. like us give her her own ongoing. Don't make it a mini. <laughs> just, <laughs> just let her have it. <laughs> um, yeah, she deserves. Yeah. So were there any other uh, DC Future State books that you read? Um, so I actually read them all. 
Oh, wow. Okay. You know, you know me. I'm I'm always going to. Um, The other books were fine. They weren't really my favorites. Um, The Harley Quinn had Simone DeMio on art, who also does the art for We Only Find Them When We're Dead by Al Ewing. So that was like nice to see them kind of getting that like mainstream push and it gave the harley quinn feel this like kind of high-tech sci-fi feel futuristic a little bit like she's like in front of all these giant white screens and all this stuff it's a little cyberpunk it was cool um again harley's not really my favorite i don't really get the character in comics so so that was that i read the superman of metropolis one again not really a huge Superman fan, even less so of John. There was this really nice Mr. Miracle story backup uh, that featured Shiloh Norman. He's the Black Mr. Miracle. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah, so it was like really interesting to see him again, like how he was operating. That was fun. And then there was another story featuring um, Guardian. I don't know if he's like the current Guardian or if he was just like a Black guy taking the name of Guardian in this time. They were also pretty fun. Um, Just more building up of Superman's world. And... I think there was another one that came out. Oh, the Flash! I didn't. I'm sorry, I didn't read the Flash one. Yeah, that just. Oh, you didn't get. Oh, well, you don't really get down with the speedsters, though. So yeah. that's fair. <laughs> me, me neither. I get it. <laughs> and then I think I heard something about like Wally West was evil in it, and I was just like, I don't know why. DC Again, hates this. <laughs> yeah, it was just like I don't know why DC hates this guy so much. <laughs> <It was> like, <laughs> Come on, I thought um, this was gonna be the time that we were gonna fix Wally. <laughs> you know, so I mean, but if anybody did read, um the future state flash please let us know how it was let us know what you thought about it yeah definitely let us know i'm always open to something good yeah so the next book on my list is star wars the high republic number one now i assume you did not get into this because i know you're not that big of a star wars fan like i am um but that would be this- correct <laughs> this was uh, written by uh, Kevin Scott and the art by Ario um, Anandito and the cover by Phil Noto. The cover was beautiful. Obviously, Phil does amazing covers. Uh, but this was so good. And it feels really good to finally be back reading Star Wars comics. I'm a big Star Wars fan, um, but I hadn't really read any of the comics in a while. Um probably because the most recent ones have just been more Skywalker stuff and I'm over that, (laughs) you know, and it was, you know, more Princess Leia, more Darth Vader, and we've already done all that. So the High Republic is the era like hundreds of years before all of this kind of happened. So there is, you know, a lot of times in sci-fi stuff, when they want to do that, they just make things less metallic, <laughs> you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of what the vibe with this was going for. But you end up following, um, you end up following this new young Jedi Padawan while they are out um, learning and kind of trying to take their trials. They've been wanting to get knighted to become a Jedi Knight. Um, and their name is Keeve Trennis. Now she... They don't necessarily tell you where she's from or but she has like black features so you i think you can kind of like maybe fill in the blanks there <laughs> but mm-hmm. you don't know you don't know if she's actually from earth or anything like that so who knows where what she actually is um but she's awesome she's in here kicking ass and she is just trying to do the right thing and um, by the end of it you kind of see how she has been 
actually this entire time going on her home trials and you learn about this new uh it's it's basically the start of the jedi so this is the era where um <clears throat> not like the movies where we saw the fall of the jedi and we end with you know there are no more jedi this is where back when the jedi were actually prosperous and they were everywhere and they were actually like the knights of of truth and all that kind of stuff and for the people okay. um so they're prominent they're everywhere and they're setting up these kind of citadels and places um uh that yoda is younger quote unquote in this even though he's still like balding <laughs> <laughs> um and this is actually i think he had just kind of joined the council so okay. uh i recommend this if you are a star wars fan the high republic era is definitely kicking off to a great start for me Okay. Um, Do they have any um, Star Wars comics featuring Princess Amidala, Natalie Portman's character? Um. Yeah. Actually, they do. Well, um, like she's the main thing. Like, like it's about her. Yeah. Oh, wow. I can. Re- yeah. I'll recommend some of those to you. Uh, yeah. Later. Do that. A lot like of that. Princess a lot of. Amidala. A lot of that stuff wasn't canon anymore once. Um. Like Marvel bought, or not, I wouldn't say Marvel. Once Disney bought Star Wars, mm-hmm. they. So there's a whole bunch of um, like Star Wars books and comic books and all that kind of stuff that was all a part of like Star Wars Legacy. Yeah. Uh, I'll put you I'll on read Twitter. those. I like Natalie Portman. <laughs> yeah, I'll put you on. Um, yeah, so the next book on the list is Eternals number one. Now, did you read this? Yeah, I read this. What did you think? Now, this was um, written by Kieran Gillen. Um mm-hmm. And the art was, let me see who was on art this time. It's Isad Ribic, isn't it? Ah, you're right. Yes. He also did covers, which um, I'm sure that takes a lot to do both interiors and covers. Yeah. Um, so this was basically kind of like my real introduction to the Eternals. I feel like they mm-hmm. haven't really had as many appearances as a lot of other like Marvel properties yeah i i know who they are i know all about their back history and i do recall when they recently like kind of i think they killed themselves or something like killed each other um but this is like them kind of being brought back and that whole story um what did you think of um of this so i'm not a, I'm, I'm i'm also not like a huge eternals person i can't really tell you too much about them outside of like cersei and some stuff i read of her in avengers I thought this was good. I really like Kieran Gillen. I really like Esau Ribic. I think his art, his big, like, beautiful painted style was, like, great for this type of space soap opera that Gillen yeah. was trying to tell. And he, like, adds in his humor a little bit in here, so it looked really beautiful. It felt like it was supposed to be a revival for this team. Yeah. Really fit the tone. Um, I liked it. I liked it. Okay. You know, okay. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't uh like say like right away that like, oh yeah, like I'm excited about the Eternals, like I want to know more about them, but I'm interested enough to continue reading and see how it goes. You know, I thought that this was really interesting, um, that they had their own kind of gates in this book. You know, they had this thing oh, yeah, that they were talking yeah. about with this machine or whatever that kind of operates all the Eternals and it's connected to this network and they can kind of jump points. I was like, now look at that mutants the blueprint. Like always set, the blueprint always <laughs> setting the tone and i also really like the way that um jillian did his quote unquote data pages right yeah uh, <laughs> <laughs> um you know those were like really good and intense too but i was just like yeah i was like but again i think that's always been a thing isn't it like the eternals and the mutants are kind of similar 
Yeah, and I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if there ends up being some kind of like crossover between the what's going on in the internals and what's going on in with the X Men only because of the whole like genetic thing where you know and all that kind of stuff. So because I think they're the Eternals are like kind of cousins to the mutants in a way. There's some weird connection. And you know, maybe that's why I couldn't get into them because I was never into X-Men in space stories. And the Eternals are back basically X-Men in space. Yeah, that's think of why I like them. <laughs> 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 that's usually why I get into it because I'm like, oh, I think I can kind of get into this because they are basically mm, X-Men yeah. in space. Um, my favorite things. <laughs> so it was cool. Yeah, there I think a lot of these Eternals on these data pages that were all kind of made up. I think they're new because I don't oh, think wow. that there were this many before this book kind of existed. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I think that they were not that many at all, but I think I like that he added their own kind of like council in a way, you know, mm-hmm. where, where there's specific rules that people have to follow. And, yeah. you know, they also have their own like three <laughs> kind of rules that they have to do. You know, no, protect celestials is one of them, and all that kind of setting stuff. Setting the tone. Setting the tone. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm into it though. I'm I'm interested to see where this book kind of kind of goes. Um, I do think that this is going to be setting us up with some stuff that's obviously going to be in the movie. I'm sure that. Oh yeah. Whatever we see in this series, it will probably be reflected in the MCU version of the movie. So most definitely, I'll, I'll be sticking around to see what's going on. Same. Um, so next up on the list was King and Black: Rise of the Valkyries, number one. So tell me about it because I did not read this. This was this was fun. Um, so basically, Jane, I guess Sentry dies in King and Black. Sorry if that's a spoiler for anyone who's reading or. Who hasn't read it yet and plan to but i guess sentry dies he's killed by null and Jane i didn't even know sentry could be killed he like rips him apart like sentry like very vividly describes how <laughs> <laughs> oh wow <laughs> you know like how Null like rips him apart and like this is where his heart tears and some stuff like that and so his soul is telling this to jane and so she is tasked with taking him to Valhalla, I guess. I don't know why Sentry is going to Valhalla, but whatever. And so as they're going through like this weird space of whatever, I guess they find something of Nulls that's been like killing people. And it tries to take Sentry. And inside of this thing is the new Valkyrie. We don't know her name yet. She's the new Black Valkyrie. And she's basically like living this fake life, but she knows that it's fake. And when Jane is trying to free Valkyrie, she, I mean, excuse me, when Jane is trying to free Sentry, she frees the Valkyrie. Oh, okay. That's cool. Does she look, she look kind of like the MCU version of of this? A little bit. She's got like some of the blue stuff. She's got braids in her hair. She's a little darker in her skin tone. Um, But, but like she has, she has a girlfriend and. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Like this fake world that she in. she's in she keeps like reliving seeing her girlfriend but she's like i know this isn't real because like this isn't how our first kiss really was and like then you're supposed to be dead or something like that you know so that's where the issue ends where valkyrie like um 
Jane Foster Valkyrie frees the other Valkyrie and she's like who are you and the Valkyrie says something like she has an inner monologue she's like I could tell her that I'm one of Odin's original nine or I could tell her that I was at the battle of the boar and all this stuff like that but all I say is and then she's like no one and the issue ends so oh wow okay um, if you were looking, if you were looking for Danny, Danny's not in it yet. She's coming. She's <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was I was kind of expecting a little Danny Moonstar issue one as well. I will not lie, she wasn't there, so it's just kind of like don't go in ready for that. Uh, but I think if you're a fan of Val- the Valkyries, and again, like this is a very ragtag group of Valkyries, they're not like Valkyries proper. Uh, the black one might be, but you know, Jane Foster isn't, Danny isn't. Well, that's a lot. They are Valkyries proper, but they're not like Norse girls. So, gotcha. you know, it's fun to see them. I, I'm like a casual Thor fan. I'm a Jason Aaron Thor fan. Let me make that point. But I am a Jane Foster fan. And I gotcha. like her okay. in this role as Valkyrie. So it's fun. I love Danny. So I'm excited to see her. The new Valkyrie. There's this mystery. We'll see how she goes. Um, She seems cool. Brunhild is supposed to also appear. That one, I don't really care that too much about that. Okay. So do you think that Danny then is going to be appearing in the next issue? I hope so. And I'm really okay. excited because I'm really excited to see Jane and Danny interact. It's something that well, I like always wanted. She had been on the covers though, but I don't know if those were like variant covers or. or no, she, she's definitely on the, she was on the cover to this issue as well. See, they got you with the cover. <laughs> <laughs> they got you with the cover. So we'll see how it'll be interesting to see how like Danny gets folded into this mix because it's like so far removed from Kokoa and everything. But I'm ready. All right. Nice. All right. So next up on the list is Guardians of the Galaxy number 10. And this was written by Al Ewing with art by Juan Cabal. And we talk about my favorite Peter Jason Quill. And I mean, yeah, I see what you mean now because this was good. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie; I ain't even gonna hold it to you. I see what you mean by why why you were standing for him because this. And I this and I want to say this because I feel like we need to differentiate the two. I feel like Peter Quill was the MCU version that we were getting in the comics for the last few years. We are back to Peter Jason Quill right now. Okay? Oh yes, yes, yes! <laughs> like you're very much right. <laughs> this is this is this is who we want to see. Peter Jason Quill, the Star Lord. Yes, <laughs> this was a good issue. I enjoyed it. Yeah, I really enjoyed this a lot. I um, I'm not reading King in Black. Um, that's not my tea, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but you know, I did get this because I had already been really enjoying Guardians of the Galaxy. I think it's probably one mm-hmm. of my top, you know, books currently right, yeah. right now. I've been really enjoying the series and, um, this tie in, it felt like its own thing, but still kind of tied into King and Black. Like, I really know what's I'll going wing. on. E-wing. Um, yeah, E-Wing <laughs> is like really good for doing that, though, like getting a tie in and still kind of like using it how a tie in should be used to still push forward your own story. It's just like we get it like branding, marketing. We got to throw this in here somewhere, but it's still very much like I'm going to mix my own thing in here and actually have it work for me. So that was a really great thing to see. Um having Peter kind of go through the motions of like how he needed to overcome this and like using the element gun in a new way. And he's like, you know, when Nova asked him, it's like, what what have you become? And he's like a star Lord. And it's just like, yeah, this is what we were talking about. 
Um, and that entire sequence, um, Juan Cabal's like ability to like his placement of everything in a book, like the way placing. he places panels is so good. Yeah. <laughs> like it really yeah. just kind of like really captures the like cosmic feel of all of this and the whole like out like otherworldly, like astro- mm-hmm. astrological kind of like side of all this kind of stuff. It's really, really cool. He's such a he's such a dynamic artist. And he reminds me a lot of um Jamie McKelvey. Yeah, yeah. Because Jamie McKelvey was the same way, especially like if anyone ever wants to see like any issue of um, Wicked and Divine or his Young Avengers run and just the way he would have characters do things like coming out of the boxes. And like, I'll never forget, there was this big battle sequence that he drew with Novar. And again, like I even think about Juan Cabal and the Novar issue that he did a little bit earlier. He had him showcasing all his superpowers. And it's just like, this is what a comic book is. This is yeah. what it looks like. Yeah. This is what I feel like he's not afraid of actually like pushing art and like making this still artistic instead of yeah. just, <laughs> you know, some some drawings on the page. And then I he gets mixed with um, Federico Blee's colors. Yeah. Again, just like it was, this was a good week for art. Like it was. It was. this was the a good was week for the art and colorist, man. I think it's kind of everybody was just bringing it. It was just talent all around. Um, I think I need to go ahead and um, say that Moondragon and Philavelle love them together. <laughs> You're so cute, and, and I you... and I love that they're showing like the like you know how you always say you like to see relationships and like the problems. Yes. <laughs> again, this book is very good for like showing the problems in that relationship. You know, you had the two Moon Dragons kind of merge, and that was like causing a wedge between like her and uh, Phila, and then like Phila sees her like crying and stuff, and she's like, "I've never, I've seen never you cry. seen you cry." Yeah, and I thought that was so like. like intimate i was, I was like yes was we're finally so. seeing like the actual relationship like you know it's not just like cute moments of them you mm-hmm. know holding hands somewhere or whatever and just just for the sake of some screen time you actually like see what's going on between the two of them so i i'm into this book for sure yeah definitely i also noticed that uh rocket you know he, he keep that um the booze in his pocket. Oh, he does. He's an alcoholic. They need to get him an AA. For real. <laughs> He's got a problem. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, de- I definitely recommend that book for sure. Um, so next up on the list was um, X Factor number six. Now, I also did not read this. So tell me what's up. You didn't read this? Well, why would I? <laughs> <laughs> it has Polaris in it. That doesn't mean enough for me, babe. <laughs> uh, I read it. Um, so X Factor is a strange book for me because I really enjoy the premise of it. Like the, I think the resurrection protocols and everything that revolves around them was probably like one of my top three things for Krakoa that I wanted to see explored when the era started. And I think the idea of like mutant investigators is also a really good idea. I wish Bishop was kind of leading the team, but that's just like more so on a personal level. Um, I think when the book kind of focuses in on that whole aspect of the mutant investigation side of it, it does really well. There is a comedic tone to the book that I don't really feel fits. And it kind of overpowers the story a little bit because it's very heavy handed. A lot of the writing, it kind of like tells you when to laugh. You know how like when you're watching like those sitcoms and there's like a laugh track and it's like it's very obvious like like this wasn't funny they were just people had to laugh right now like that's yeah, kind of what it feels like sometimes 
Yeah, that's kind of like what it feels like in the writing sometimes. Um, she kept having people snort every and like every time someone told a joke, and it was like, oh, okay, we get it. Like everyone, oh. but it was like literally like snort every time. So you just kept seeing the word snort. And so it was just like, why is everyone just snorting? Um, wow. But um, and then there's like characters like iBoy, who is supposed to be this very like playful, innocent type of character. And again, this is why I say the comedy kind of like doesn't match up because there's this scene where they're like investigating Siren's murder. Siren keeps dying and they're trying to like figure out why. And so, you know, um, they're like at her murder scene and, you know, it's very dark and bleak and like there's all this stuff and they're having this serious conversation. And then he's over there like wrapping the police tape around his head. And it's just like, okay, like it just doesn't seem to fit. And then I had to go back and actually read the Generation X series by Christina Strain. Oh, yeah. Read that. With, uh, um, with Jubilee in that book too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, just because I was just like, I don't remember him being this young as he seemed. Uh, I was just like, I, so. It, it, I wouldn't know. I don't pay attention to him. So uh, I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know how old he's supposed to be. There was this, um, there was the one moment in the book that I actually thought was really nice. Um, again, they're trying to figure out why Siren keeps dying. She obviously knows she's hiding something. She's lying about it. And so she's like telling the team and it shows various members of the team, iBoy, Rachel, Prodigy, and Dokken. And it basically breaks down how each one of them know she's lying with their powers. Like iBoy talks about like his how he sees certain things. Rachel talks about like her uh, emotional responses. Prodigy talks about like whatever he got. Dagan talks about her senses and movement. So that was a really good scene and that was really well done. Again, like the whole mutant detective investigative aspect of it is very good. It's a good premise, but I just think there are a lot of other things that kind of bring it down. So it's the premise doesn't really come off that well. And that was X Factor. Huh. So, oh, Siren. Oh, Pol Polaris has a moment also with Siren. You know, she kind of confronts her and she's like, you know, we know you're lying to us. And Siren's like, don't get in my face. You know, you've never been a big gun. And Lorna's like, I am a big gun. And she's like, got this power. And she's like, yeah, you don't know. You know who I am. Um, but then Siren like uses her hypnosis on her and she just kind of shuts that down. So <laughs> it didn't really matter anyway. But huh. I also will say, I think this is growth for Siren because I don't think her hypnosis has worked on mutants before. I feel like when Pad introduced it in X-Factor, it was only like against humans. Oh yeah, I think you're right actually. So that's cool that maybe her powers kind of grew in a way that she can do that. But I mean, also Polaris has been mind controlled before. So she's she kind of susceptible to that. Yeah, so, I mean, that sounds like quite an interesting story or one that I've already heard before. So. Um, um yeah. <laughs> interesting uh yeah i uh it sounds like the book is at least keeping the whole premise going with the detective stuff um so that's awesome um yeah and next so next up on the list is hellions number eight now this was written by zeb wells <laughs> and art <laughs> <laughs> with the art by Steven Segovia. Yes. Now, did you read this? I did read this. I and I'm still enjoying Hellions. I read this as well. I um Cameron Hodge is someone who has been a villain around like the X Factor books for a while. I think that's where he was actually introduced. Um 
so this whole reveal of him kind of coming back was like, oh shit, I didn't think that he was ever going to be <laughs> kind of returning, but it makes sense that he could because he isn't really human anymore. You know, he kind of uh, sacrificed his soul basically and gave it up to a demon to get powers. So for that techno organic virus. So that uh, kind of makes sense that he could figure out a way to still be around. Um, I, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed, I enjoyed this book. The reveal of, of what this Cameron Hodge actually was, was interesting. I thought that was cool. Uh, the way that the, the smilers <laughs> kind of talk to each other <laughs> in their like code was cool. Uh, Nanny has definitely got something going on. I don't know what, um, and I want to know what, what, whatever the hell she's got going on secretly, you know, um, behind closed doors. I want to know what she's going to be doing with that. Now, what yeah. did you think? Yeah, I like this book. So I've realized this book reminds me of an action movie. Oh, okay. Yeah, it does. And, yeah. And um, I don't mean that in a bad way because Lord knows I love an action movie. But um, what I've realized is that with it, I think that's my thing with some of the characters. Sometimes they come off a little tropey. Um, so it's like, I, I don't really feel like I'm getting too much into them. I will say I enjoy that Wells kind of toned down the humor of this, um, issue to focus a little bit more on the story, which was nice. But again, that's what kind of also made me like realize like, oh, there's not a lot, of, like, a lot of meat to these characters. That saying, I do think Nanny is the most interesting thing on this team. Like, I think everything that's good. <laughs> <laughs> who would have thought, who would have thought that um, Nanny would be the one getting some I shine. actually like Nanny. When the book was announced, Danny was the reason I said I was going to pick it up. <laughs> um, so, I but I really like the whole thing that's going on with her and um, even Wild Child to a certain extent, and how them kind of talking about like how Amenth isn't done with them, and Danny's just got like her secret little baby thing in the box, and how just like straightforward she is but again i think nanny is an interesting character i think there's like a lot of stuff there she talks about her orphan maker getting a new suit and all these things and it's just like yeah honestly i feel like i kind of always said i wanted this book to use like rotating villains on it every now and again you know i'd love to see like lady mastermind come in with this team and things like that um oh that would be interesting yeah but i always used to be like because oh i didn't really care if like the rest of the cast like disappeared or not but no yeah. like nanny has to stay <laughs> yeah i mean <laughs> i think i think i don't think nanny's going anywhere I think she's got some plans. <laughs> like nanny is that girl um and but that said I, I i do still enjoy everyone else in the cast um again it's like a it's like a big fun action movie to me i've kind of noticed there's like a villain of the week theme ha happening to these stories yeah, a little bit. Yeah, it felt like before it was Madeline, and now it's this time it's you know uh, post X of Swords. Now it's Cameron Hodge. So I don't know and what I know, they're kind like, of doing with that. Yeah, and I know like Arcade's supposed to come up, which I'm very excited for. Oh yeah, I love Arcade. Um, so yeah, good book. How did how did like Empath in this book? Did you? I, I um, don't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just again like. This is where I kind of say it kind of feels like a little tropey because the empath that I know is a dick, is like a very bad person, but he's also like a little bit like smarter, just a tad bit, like with his manipulations and kind of like how he does to people. Like this one's just very much like loud in your face. He reminds me of Quentin Choir. Oh, okay. He was very loud and in your face in this book, but I wasn't sure if that's how he was supposed to be. Like he's you know, arrogant. I, I felt, like, yeah, I felt like his arrogance was kind of like cranked up a little bit in this yeah um he's arrogant and then he also keeps taking on the role he just keeps dying 
he do keep time. <laughs> it's, it's just kind of like, yes. all right, it's like, let's get back into the meat of this young man. Like, what's going on here? So, um, yeah. Yeah, I don't really enjoy Impact. Well, maybe that means you'll be getting a new character in this book then, since he'll be in Resurrection, and who knows where he'll be on the list for the protocols. I don't know. He keeps seeming to come back very quickly. Well, maybe Sinister probably is the one that's, like, pushing him up the list <laughs> and, and, you know, <laughs> giving him a special a fast pass or something. <laughs> um, yeah. I yeah, I'm still enjoying this book. I still, like, definitely recommend it. Uh, definitely get Hellions, y'all. Yeah. Okay, and that was the last book uh, for the week. So let's take a break and then we'll come back for the panel. Sweet. So I wanted to um, have a little discussion with you today, my friend. Yes, let's because. I've been seeing a lot of talk on the internet lately about like different characters, powers, power levels. And we all know I'm a street level kind of guy. I feel like you're in the middle. You love a super powered kind of character. That's where I'm And I don't think either one of us, we need, we need to find, we need to find a friend who likes overpowered characters to like really like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. to like, to balance it out. Um, and I just wanted to kind of talk about that because I know you have like a threshold. So I want again want to get into your threshold of like what you consider superpower versus overpowered and what kind of draws you to superpowered characters in general yeah so i think like okay for me when it comes to these like kind of like power rankings and stuff i would um i think i break them up into like five different categories and it's like you know um the bottom is like human like the regular people level then you have the street level characters um then you have super powered characters um then after that you have the cosmic characters and then after that it's like the like <laughs> the i don't even know how to describe like the beyonder <laughs> and, and stuff okay. like that yeah. you know what i mean like the like the big like the living tribunal and stuff like that um so i tend to stick in that like level three era you know like the super powered people um i like those characters mostly because they i don't know i think i i tend to really like the like when it comes to like the fighting and the action portions i prefer to like the characters that have like energy manipulating kind of powers as you can obviously tell (laughs) most of my faves (laughs) (laughs) have some kind of like energy manipulation kind of abilities um so i'm really drawn to those types of characters so they're usually why i tend to like the superpowered people the um kind of street level characters they don't always have a draw for me although i do like the like the fight scenes and stuff that they have most of their stories don't have as big of a like flashy kind of action that i'm looking for you know with their powers and stuff like that so i'm not as into it because i do like superpowers (laughs) you know (laughs) and then my threshold for like above those superpowered characters is like once you start to being able to break planets and and you know you can manipulate molecules it's like why Mm -hmm. are you even here (laughs) you know like once you get once you're that powerful the story and the stakes are gone for me because 
why doesn't that character just do whatever they can do with their powers and then just fix it? It's very rare for those crazy cosmic, you know, overpowered characters to really have some kind of like repercussions for for their powers. They're just uber powerful. Yeah. Scarlet Witch, superpowered or overpowered? That is a good question. I would put Scarlet Witch in the... Mm. She can be a little overpowered for me. Like immediately, like when you were just describing like your that overpowered thing, I like she immediately popped in my head because like, you know, you've gotten to a point of reality manipulation. And if you can do whatever you want to do, who what is the repercussion of having that power? And I guess it would have used to be her insanity. But it's like at this point yeah. in time, it's like, what is her threshold? What is her limit? Yeah, it seems I, I would say that. She's overpowered, but what brings her down to like the superpowered level is probably herself. Um, and probably because her reality warping and her chaos, like magic or whatever, it isn't always a guarantee. Like there's been like blowbacks, you know, it doesn't always work the way she wants it to work. So <clears throat> I feel like she, she teeters for me, mostly okay. more overpowered though. Okay, well, also another question, the thought or the thinking that goes along with the Omega level mutant, would you also consider an Omega level mutant a character that is now overpowered? I would not because I think that, and I really do appreciate Hickman kind of really clarifying exactly what an Omega level mutant is. Um, I think that people kind of miss the part where it says it's potential. It's not where they are now or where they are currently. So it, I, I believe the definition had something along the lines of this, this uh, mutant has a power who can be like, you can't measure it or you, it can't be measured with any kind of earthly means yeah. and that the potential for it to can like be really high, can go up to whatever. So <clears throat> I think it's more about the fact that it's limitless in the potential, but that doesn't mean that they're overpowered right now. So um, it just means that they could basically one up themselves if they really pushed and, and learned or that whatever that primary power is, no yeah. one is more powerful in that power set because they can always kind of grow with it. Whereas everybody else has a, a limit and a threshold. So okay. I don't think necessarily that list means that everybody's on there. It really just depends on where they are at, at that moment. So, like, I think Mr. Miracle was on there. Mr. Uh, like, Molecule yeah. Man or whatever. He, like, obviously <laughs> is overpowered. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know? Um, okay. um, but I don't okay. think everybody on that list is. Okay. What do you think? I can, I can respect that. I mean, no, I, I, I agree with that line of thinking. You know, I'm just thinking about line. You know, also, one thing that I think has also kind of really made me love street level characters so much is because of the story that often gets attributed with them like you know i talk about all the time comics is just as much a visual medium as it is a storytelling component so it's like yeah i i always get the aspect of like seeing the big battles and seeing people use their powers but i think about the kind of story a lot of superpower characters get and I feel like a lot of them kind of just get things that rely on those powers. So you don't get a lot of meat to the character. Whereas I feel like with street level characters, because they don't have all of that flashiness to use, you kind of have to get a little bit more into the mindset of like who they are and what they're doing and the motivations and like themes throughout 
And so I think that's another thing that kind of pulls me to them. Plus, I do love a fight scene. I love to see people get beat up. See, I, I also like that stuff, but I like it through the lens of someone with superpowers because when they have the powers, they have to have some kind of restraint with them because not everybody around them has powers. So you, they have to actually learn who they are like through their abilities and everything like that. They have to kind of practice with them and, and you can't just, you know, shoot fire from your hands whenever you want to. <laughs> there are people yeah. around you, there are repercussions that you can do that. So they really have to get into the mind of who they are now with their powers. Okay, I can see that appeal. Um, so basically, do you also think anyone at DC Comics, like those characters are overpowered? Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. There are so many over, every Superman <laughs> is, is overpowered. <laughs> And so I, I'm sorry, and I th- like Superman is like one move away from having like buzzsaws for arms. He can do anything <laughs> and do anything. And, and so I think that's where it's like sometimes with a lot of superpowered characters, like you said, yes, a super uh, powered character that has restraint. You know, again, like I've recently come into my realization that I love Blue Marvel, who is very much a superpowered character. Um, yes, but, he's got a lot of power. But there is a lot of restraint and like why he won't use his power and like you said that the reasons of why he won't do it or how he has to hold himself accountable whereas like you get into a lot of them and especially with dc characters and they're so strong and it's just like but they're also like just these pillars of moral judgment (laughs) and so it's kind of like my problem with their my problem with their strength has always been it's never been defined so like Marvel's like strength scale as far as like lifting and everything every character will say like these are how many times I can lift or whatever there's like a parameter behind it whereas on DC side it's like I have super strength and it's like okay well what does that mean <laughs> you know you often have jokes about like how Superman's like oh I'll move the earth and it's just like why is that something you can do <laughs> I'll never forget the time I read it was during the new 52 era I tried to give Superman a chance and he froze something in time with his breath, like with his freeze breath. <laughs> and I was like, what? <laughs> what? That doesn't make um, any sense. <laughs> and, you know, it, it, I get kind of scared sometimes with superpowered characters because that's where I feel like some writers want to take them. It's like, just take them to that overpowered level. Because again, and it's, this isn't even like mostly for those superpowered characters. I think Betsy was like an example of this for a very long time in the 90s. When a person doesn't know what to do with the character, or doesn't have a real distinct story for them, they just add on more power. Or they like give them new power or change the way it works. And then a lot of those like superpowered characters, like a Carol, it's just like, you know, I'm just going to make her super, super powerful. Like, binary's got to go, like, nuclear or something. Right, yeah. And it's just like, that's not what I'm here for. That's not what I'm yeah. trying to do. Because, like, I don't want my fave out here with this power to destroy the Earth. Like, that's I think crazy. That, I think that's why they realized that they had to kind of depower her um, after that whole binary thing. She used her powers to restart the sun during... Um, the whole uh, Apparition Galactic Storm issue. And then that they kind of use that as a catalyst to say, all right, girl, like, <laughs> we don't need you doing all of that anymore. You can have your, we'll bring you back down to having super strength and the, the energy blast and stuff like that, which makes her a more well-balanced character, in my opinion, because 
as awesome as she was during her binary era, she was extremely overpowered <laughs> with, with what she was able to do. Um, kind of like, like, like I just said, she just, she restarted the sun. Like, I don't, I think that's yeah. <laughs> a little much if with a character like that, being able to just run around on earth, it's like, what, what cause does, what need does anyone else need to be around for? Are there any characters who, um, that you like love are in fear of, of potentially being that overpowered character one day? Um, I think, well, sometimes I think Wonder Man can kind of be considered overpowered, but there is a restraint with him that he, he knows how powerful he is. So he isn't always just swinging his fists as hard as he can, as some people may remember during that Uncanny Avengers run that Rogue was also in, um, when she absorbed some of his powers and punched uh, Grim Reaper and killed him, she was like, oh my gosh, I didn't know you were that strong. He's like, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm conscious about that kind of stuff, you know? Like, you watch um, out, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know. I think I think Jean can teeter into that overpowered era, but that's only when she is has the Phoenix Force. I think that is, but I think that, it's just a, a weird interpretation that people end up having with the weird Phoenix Force where you end up being this big destructive power. I'm sure Probably we could talk about that another day. Uh, Phoenix is weird. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so I don't really have too many of my faves that are, that are I'm afraid of becoming overpowered. Are, do you have any faves that are you afraid of, you know, leaving that street level and joining the superpower level? Um... No. <laughs> do, you, do you have to not have powers to be considered considered street? No, level? like the, there are there are tons of street level characters that have powers. Like I think um, Star Lord, you could like say he's like a cosmic street level type of character. Um, because yes, like, yes, uh, a lot, you know a lot of like bounty hunter type of stuff going on in there. Um, and, oh, he's one who's kind of just gone super powered a little bit with like this power, uh, Master of the Sun stuff, and then becoming an official Star Lord. So. I don't, I don't know. We'll see how that works out. It might still stay a little street, but we'll, we'll see. That's the thing I like about space is because you can be like the Star Lord, but still not be <laughs> no. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, and so and so. And again, I think I've I've talked to you about this. Actually, I might have even said it here. I realized like I actually like space stories. Like I love stories in space. I just was never a fan of X Men in space outside of now because it just never made sense to me. But no, like a good cosmic story is like yeah, that's good. Um, I'm no, but you know I'm trying to think of like a fave that I have, <laughs> a street level fave that I have that has superpowers. Oh, like She Hulk, you know? Yeah, yeah. She's you got you her consider powers. her you consider her street level and not superpower. Oh. No, I still consider her street level um, because she doesn't really go against like big names a lot. Like, and again, a lot of her stories are very, even though, even though she very well could. Yeah, she could, but it's like she's not usually she's not breaking Thanos out here. Like, she's going and fighting um, Titania, Titania, you know, someone oh, like love, that. Oh, I love Titania. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that's what she's out there doing. Or she, again, she's like doing it legally. Because she's a lawyer, and so she's fighting those type of ways. So she tends to stay a lot on the uh, street. I'm trying to think. No, yeah, you know, Zaytana actually, yeah, I do love her. Oh, okay. You yeah. think she should go? She could become more she, superpowered. She, 
I, she's already superpowered. She's gonna be overpowered. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, you know, and I love Zatanna, but that's the reason why when she gets in a book, like she's the first one taken out because Zatanna is one of okay. those characters where it's kind of like, all right, what's why is anybody else here? Like the girl, like you gotta immediately gag her. You gotta do something so she can't talk. You gotta like do get her all kill her because she's just too strong. Um, now, you know, I do think that there has been a, an interesting take for characters to gain some kind of like really good development for the mm -hmm. super powered characters to gain more development when they go street level versus the street level mm -hmm. characters becoming more super powered. Uh, for yeah. example, a uh, spider woman, I think that like, she kind of was kind of brought down to the like more street level character stuff. And I think that's yeah. kind of where she was really thriving at in that era. Uh, yeah, she versus while well, uh, she was just kicking it with the Avengers when she was like the detective or the private investigator. Well, yeah, that was a good era for her. And, and like you say, yeah, it works sometimes. It's just, and I think that's where some of like those superpower characters kind of like falter for me because it's like you put them in these like small towns and or like these little cities, and it's like, what are they supposed to do over here? <laughs> it's just like, especially again, like you said, they got to be aware of their power and the destruction they can have. And it's just kind of like, all right, that that's why I've always enjoyed series kind of like damage control and stuff like that. That shows like the property damage and things of heroes, and even like that first civil war that was kind of like, all right, we got to start holding people accountable for certain things that they're doing and the destruction. It's like I actually enjoy that because it's like real, you know, the Hulk smashing through town. Like get him out of here. This is why we shot him into space. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like we can't just have him like breaking every building he wants to like stub his toe on. Like because yeah. <laughs> what good is that gonna do for everybody else? <laughs> yeah. Um so what are the type of like story well I mean I guess you've kind of already said that with them i guess the appeal for the superpower characters in their story is learning that restraint with the power mm -hmm. and learning who like who they are now with their superpowers and and how their powers kind of affect the way they navigate life now uh mm -hmm. most of the time they didn't have those powers when they were born or whatever and even if yeah. they did um i feel like they really start to connect with them as they grow up and mature yeah um, so i feel like a part of the appeal for the story for me anyway with the super powered character is is their personality mixed with their powers and how they have to control them uh, i've always found that really kind of interesting okay and you know i'm a big like video game fan and mm -hmm. and i love rpgs so and you know i've also been a big D, &D fan and all that kind of stuff i'm more of like the mid-range kind of fighter <laughs> <laughs> you know um in the RPG world, you know, I love a a a DPS, you know, yeah. kind of blaster or a controller kind of character. You know, I'm not really picking the scrapper or the tank. I don't want to be up in the fight. I like a character that's, you know, shooting see, blasts from in the back. I see. No, I'm, 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 see, I'm the opposite. Like, I got so many fighting games. Like, when you get into the RPGs, like, I'm the rogue. Like, give me my little daggers. I'm coming up. I'm, like, slicing somebody up. We're going to, we're going to fight before anything yeah see i'm not trying to do all of that <laughs> i want to like throw stuff at you from like way in the back. <laughs> you know no, fly away <laughs> you know that's all that's been going through my mind you know i just wanted to have this little discussion about powers and those characters that have them and we love them yeah definitely um 
listeners, let us know what you guys like, where you guys kind of stand. I know, like I said, I'm more in that super powered kind of era. I dip my toe down into the street levels sometime, you know. I love Electra, mm-hmm. so like I come down there sometimes <laughs> when, <laughs> when it gets to being popping. I like it. Um, and I like the cosmic stuff sometimes. It's just when it gets to be that overpowered stuff, I'm like not really that much into it. So definitely let us know what you where you guys kind of stand. Yeah. And if you're an overpowered character fan, please let us yes. know. Let <laughs> Absolutely us know. tell me. Let, let us know who your fave is and why they can beat mine up. let's let's take a break and then we'll come back for the relaunch all right all right all right we are back for everyone's favorite part of the show Another relaunch. Yes, yes, yes. Let's get into it. You want to go first this week? Yeah, I'll go first. Go for um, it. Mine's, mine's really short. My Artemis... My Oh, well, there you go. My relaunch for the week is Artemis. Um, the Amazon, not the one from Young Justice. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, so Artemis is an Amazon, but she's from a different tribe than the Themyscarian Amazon. She's like from the Bana Magdal and they are an Egyptian. Oh, I love them. Yeah. Yeah. They are an Egyptian tribe who migrated from Greece to various like Europe and Middle Eastern countries before finally settling in Egypt. And then they like came into contact. She's been through a lot of various Wonder Woman stories, kind of just always as a side character, a little bit of a foil to her. She took on the mantle of Wonder Woman for like, I want to say like six issues or something like that when she beat Diana once before. She has a very different range of weapons. She uses a bow and arrow. She has like this giant battle axe. She has her own little version of the lasso, but I don't really think it's the big deal anymore. It's more just like a rope now. And great fighter. She's got this long red ponytail. She's amazing. I would have her be like an ambassador. You know, so... You know how when they kind of first sent Diana to America or wherever, she was supposed to be like the ambassador of the Amazons and like kind of teaching yeah, yeah. peace and like teaching all of that stuff. I would give that role to Artemis because obviously Diana doesn't have time. She's like busy with the Justice League. She's busy doing whatever. Apparently something happened with her in Death Metal. I think that's supposed to lead with what's going on with her post-future state. Okay. And so it would be nice to kind of put Artemis in this role of teaching the ways of the Amazon and like promoting them out into the world because she's been out in the world now. She's been hanging out with Red Hood and Bizarro. They were kind of like the anti-Trinity a little bit. And yeah, the they Hood had their own the little, like team, yeah. And, you know, she had a thing with him. But she's just a really fun character. She's got a lot of wits to her. She can fight. I know I know everybody loves a fighter. As much as they might say they don't, you guys love a fighter. Because, like, that's... Like, would you say that's why you like Diana? You just like to see her fight? I did, yes. <laughs> I love seeing her beat somebody ass. <laughs> and Artemis will beat someone's ass. And so, like, that is always fun. And so it'll be nice to see kind of that duality of, like, her always having to be this person who's, like, ready to fight, ready to battle, front lines, and now kind of being, like, political. Like, push it back a little bit. Like, you got to do this a different way. And so that's where I'll put her. Plus, I just kind of want to get her away from um, Outlaws. Mm. that's my relaunch okay that's interesting i am a fan of hers i think she's really cool i love when she was like uh training supergirl when supergirl kind of came to themiscura uh <laughs> and i liked how 
badass she really is. You know, like I said, anytime any girl wants to come up and be somebody's ass, I'm into it. So (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Okay, so my relaunch for the week is one of my favorite characters. um, He is top three for me, um, like solidified in in my trinity, (laughs) you know. Um, and it is Iceman. Now I'm going to keep it short just because oh, we like, love Iceman. Yeah. Exactly. Child, everybody know who Iceman is. So like, I don't even really got to go through his whole backstory, <laughs> you know? Um, so I feel like for a relaunch for him, I feel like he needs to either a have an elevated status within the X-Men as long as he's been like kind of the, the younger brother for everyone and kind of like the, the comedic relief. I would love for him to kind of take a really big stance for for mutants. He has always been like ride or die for the whole mutant cause. You know, he has never really wavered yeah. in the way he views mutants and how he wants everyone to be treated very fairly and everything like that. So um, I think that he either A needs to have like a solo series kind of exploring his own like ideas and how he feels about like his sexuality now and and all that kind of stuff. And also really you know, hammering in the, the, that he is really about the whole cause. I feel like we haven't really seen how he feels about Krakoa. We've seen him crack some yeah. jokes. We've seen him like, you know, uh, wake in up the background making <laughs> snowballs. <laughs> right, or something like that. So I would love to get more into how he feels about Krakoa and uh, and everything like that. He had some some solo series out that I was not the biggest fan of, um, in, in my opinion. They weren't that great. Yeah, um, pretty bad. Yeah, I've always felt like he, Iceman, in my opinion, um, is gay, but I don't feel like that is his only personality. And I feel like that was kind of becoming a thing with him uh, in that in that solo series. And I feel like he, there's a lot more to him and he's much more like multidimensional than just being the gay one. Um, <clears throat> I would love if like a black gay uh man or woman was to, was to write a nice man solo series that would be awesome um mm. but if if not that i would love for him to make it onto the council i think that oh if, okay yeah i think that if he if he can't be you know like doing anything like on a team right now or if he's not getting kind of kind of solo stuff he would be awesome as like you know gene's replacement on the council he could easily now fit you, in you know i am all about Iceman for a council spot. Yes, like, he deserves. He deserves. <laughs> he deserves. Um, I think that he, like I said, he champions for mutants. And I think that he would have, like, he leads with his heart. You know, everybody knows Iceman to be, like, the very, like, calm and collected one, the chill one, if you will. <laughs> He's the um, funny guy. He's making everybody laugh. Exactly. But he he cares. Um, so yeah. I think that he would make a great, a great council member. You know, I the think that was open, something... So. I think that was something they kind of did really well during the Utopia era when they were like living on that island and stuff. There was this, there were a lot of anthology books out during the Utopia era. It's actually one of the reasons why I think it thrived like with fans in the way that it did, because you know how a lot of people want to see that with Krakoa, the everyday life. That's what was happening on Utopia. And so you got to see like the mutants kind of farming themselves. You kind of saw them like setting things up in one of the roles that Iceman had in one of them he would he like there was some girl amina i don't remember her name she like made these dragons or something like that and somebody had to calm her down so it was Iceman, and he kind of like took her out and he was like cracking all these jokes with her but 
the internal monologue was talking about like how he was making jokes because he was scared because he didn't think it was going to work and he was like really worried and so I think that's something that gets forgotten about a lot with him it's like they just make him the funny guy he's there to just make jokes and they forget about like that whole character background it's like why he's making these jokes and how he actually is this really like sympathetic character who has a big heart and actually wants to help in more ways but you know he doesn't get the chance exactly it's a little blind blind he does he's had so much like character development that entire uh x factor volume one run where we really got to see more of him and his and his relationship with his family and while he was on the defenders for a while and in the background in in the past was another great time you got to really see bobby drake robert drake and really got to see more of him he also had his own solo series uh back in the day um which was pretty good his first solo series Uh, it was a short miniseries i think it was only like four or five issues um but yeah i think he deserves a good a nice relaunch uh give him either a solo series or an elevated status and put him on the council i'm definitely here for him taking gene's council seat 100 yeah. percent approve love that <laughs> yeah awesome all right guys uh that brings us to the end of the show thanks so much for listening um you can find us on twitter at another relaunch you can send us your own relaunches or any kind of questions comments anything you guys want to talk about at another relaunch at gmail.com you can find me on social media on twitter instagram all that stuff at uncanny lz keenan where can they find you you can find me at Keenan Lance with an underscore at the end. I should change it. I should make it something like more like superhero-y. <laughs> I'm sure you can figure something out. <laughs> I'm sure you can figure something out. <laughs> I might change it. I always talk about changing. I'm probably not going to change it, but I probably I'm, I think I'm going to change it. I'm Maybe gonna someone come, could come up with something for you. I'm going to come to the table. Yes, some people send me some ideas, and I'm going to come to the table with a couple of ideas. Not next week. Don't hold me to that. But sometime soon, and we'll make it Okay. <laughs> we'll, 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 get, we'll get you a new name or something. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Um, and, uh, oh, yeah, don't forget, next week we are going to do um, another rewatch. This time it'll be the first two episodes of WandaVision. Um, so definitely check that out. We'll uh, probably be tweet live tweeting from the account and stuff. So uh, check it out next week. All right. We'll see you. All right. Peace. Thank you.